Welcome to another episode of the Von Gehr Consulting Group's podcast. This episode, we're going to talk about the four key secrets to ideal customer service, and we'll touch upon whether you reward activity over value and how you can avoid the activity trap. So kick back and relax and enjoy the podcast. First up, how to avoid the activity trap and provide value. A business has to, to survive has to have results. Typically, these results are measured by the ultimate measurement in the world, and that's cash. The cash you have on hand, the cash you have on the bank, the cash the customer gives you, and you can put in that cash register. That is the ultimate measurement of any business. The difficulty for any business in understanding this measurement is if it is a direct relation to activity or something other. Most businesses will have the belief that cash is generated solely by activity. Therefore, many sales plans, business plans, and marketing plans are created around activity and not around value. Now, you're a business person. That's why you're listening to this podcast. At first glance, any business person worth their salt, like you, would deride me for what I just just talked about right there as being complete and utter nonsense. You're going to say, hey, to generate cash, I've got to have activity. And that activity has got to happen to generate cash. And you're right. That activity can be in the form of a sale, a signature on a contract, or traffic to a particular website, let's say. And the business person like you who thinks that is correct. Closing sales, signing of contracts, decisions to visit a website, those are all activities. The problem is really distinguishing though if these activities are of value to the customer because you gotta have customers to get the cash. And typically this is not the case when it comes to many businesses. Let's take for example, the founder of Mint.com. This individual founded a company that's a web-based application to compete against Microsoft Money and Intuit's Quicken. Both of those software platforms are major movers and shakers in the, in the marketplace of personal finance. So what makes a web-based application like Mint.com different? Well, for one, Mint.com is focused around giving you, the user, quick information about your financial status. Where you are now, does it line up with the plan of where you want to go? It is also designed to give you that information you need to take to make sound decisions for your financial future. That's it, it's very simple. You get in, you get out, you get on with your life. It's a program that puts providing value to a lot of consumers. And the competition at Mint.com are more focused around how long you spend on a particular window or a particular graphic user interface and their programs. Their results are activity driven. And the competitors at Mint.com are also focused on activity and not real value to you, the consumer. So right there, you've got two movers and shakers being usurped by a small startup and a web app because they're focused on activity and the founder and the organization Mint.com is focused on providing value. Still not convinced that there is a difference? Well, let's take a look at social media. There was a blog post written by Amber Naslin She's a very well-known bloggeress. Her blog is actually called Altitude Branding. And she used a quote uh, from Albert Einstein. And the quote states, people love chopping wood. And this activity 
one immediately sees results. Well, the same can be true when it comes to social media. When a business embraces social media, they have the belief that social media is nothing but an activity-driven platform. I mean, what's one of the complaints? If I, you know, start doing twi Twitter, my employees gonna waste their time, you know, talking to their friends and not providing business because that's not the activity I want. I want business. They tweet and they get followers. They build a fan page and they get fans. That's what they think. It's an activity driven. They think the more activity you are, the more active you are, the greater the results you're going to get. And there's a fallacy in that. Now, why is that? Well, what is one of the chief complaints when it comes to social media? I just listed that people are going to waste time about blabbing about their nonsensical lives and not really providing anything to me, the business person, to make business. That's not activity that I want to have. And so they're right. Nonsensical activity is not really providing value to the consumer of information. But so is going out there and just sending out tweets or posting up posts on your fan page about what new product you have and you know, come over here and sell, you know, buy my stuff. It'd be the same thing if I went to your place of business, just started shouting out random things. It's annoying and it's not of value to the consumer of information. What is a value? Well, providing a relationship, getting to understand what those buyers needs are, providing information to them that may not result immediately in a sale, but establishing a bond to them. Those are activities, but those are activities driven of value. Very, very important. So how can you, the business person, avoid the activity trap, avoid measuring activity? Well, first, when you're designing your business plan, you're designing your marketing plan, when you're designing that sales plan, make sure that the metrics you're measuring are measured out of value and not activity. Now that's easier said than done because you gotta have some activity, right? You gotta go see customers, you gotta go like, build a website, you gotta go tweet, whatever it is. You gotta do an activity, but make sure you're measuring the value behind that activity. Any plan, whether it's for business or sales, has to have metrics. We want valued metrics though. Now, a value-driven metric is one that returns an exponential response from the customer. For example, let's take a look at uh, Domino's Pizza franchises in Chicago. They have a social media plan to communicate deals and promotions and also answer complaints from their customers. They use video, they use Twitter, and I think they even have a fan page on Facebook. Now, the metrics above this plan is to foster a strong relationship in the community between the franchises and their customers. The value behind the activity is getting that strong communication from Domino's and a demonstration they listen to the complaints of their customers and also respond quickly and also will service them. There is a great video out there where one of the Domino's guys answered a complaint of a major social media person in Chicago immediately after he heard she had a poor pizza um, response. The manager did that. And he's constantly on there doing different things. But he's not on there saying, come buy pizza now, must buy pizza now. No, he's fostering a relationship with the community that, hey, we screwed up, we'll fix it. We're always here when you need us. Get a big party to plan, come look at us. You may not want us now, but we are delivering. And what are they doing on TV? They're talking about making better pizza, building, you know, we listen to our customers, we're building better pizzas. They're providing value in those activities and it's gonna result in more sales. 
Second, avoid the temptation to only award activity. I have worked in a very large organization where they actually awarded more activity than the final result of sales. Well, we were all competing for the final result of sales, but they only just wanted to know how many times you saw a particular person as if that was going to result in the sale. They lost the value that rewarded the activity. And many plans, especially sales plans, do that. So for sales, it can be a number of calls a person makes on a customer. For marketing, it can be a number of impressions or responses to calls of actions from campaigns. And both of these are important, don't get me wrong, but they're not the end goal of the business. The end goal is profits, making money. That's the end goal for any business. The reward should be given to the salesperson that generates the largest margin of profit for an organization, not the most activity. It should be an award to the marketing team that drives business with the least amount of cost, not the most activity. These are viable propositions for any business and they're easy to set up and they're easy to do. And let's think about it. You got two salespersons. You have a salesperson who generates millions of dollars for your business with one or two sales calls. And you've got another salesperson who generates $100,000 of business, but man, he's been hustling his butt off. He's made 100 calls. If you measure activity, the second salesperson should be awarded over the first, who's much more valuable to you because A, he spent more time with those customers and B, he landed two huge sales. Award the value that this person brings to your organization and the value that they provide their customers and not just the activity. It is difficult to balance activity and value. Don't get me wrong. It's not something that's easy to do. The temptation of many companies is to always double down on activity, especially in bad times. They feel it'll generate a ton of results and it will initially, and then it's going to generate a lot of complaints and then it's going to generate a lot of annoyance and then it's not going to generate a lot of value, a lot of profits for the company. The reality is that when you generate more activity, you generate a lot more cost. Be strategic in your thinking, focus on targeted areas that you have will provide the most value to you and to your customer and go after them. And when you do, you will avoid the activity trap. The result will be a, a, a better profit margin and higher valued customers. You know the four key secrets to ideal customer service? <laughs> well, you're going to now because you know customers are the lifeblood of any business. Without them, your business, any business, cannot survive. You gotta have customers. And what do customers do? They validate your business plans, your sales plans, and your marketing plans, your products and your services, and the value that you offer by their purchases of those same products and services. They invalidate it when they go and they purchase from your competitor. Now, when we understand this, and you're a smart business person, so I know that you understand this, but there's a lot of value in delivering ideal customer service. And yet it just baffles me so much as to why there's poor customer service out there. I mean, look at the airlines. And they get a really bad customer service rating. And now all people just want to have is like just, you know, peanuts and the ability to go to the bathroom. They don't even want full meals anymore. And they can't even make that. They just want to get their luggage. And they can't even, can't even make that either. So with that being the case, and you know that there's a lot of bad customer service out there, well, then all you got to do is just show up and deliver ideal customer service. And here are the four key secrets. The first 
operate a velvet rope strategy. You've seen the dance clubs. You know the rope line. There's the rope line. There's a long line. Everybody wants to get in. There's the big bouncer. He's not going to let people in. And then that limo shows up or the right dress people show up. He opens up the, uh, the, the rope and lets them ride in. Depending on your business, can you identify who can walk right into your club? Knowing who is right for your products and services is just as important as the location is for your business. You cannot be all things to all people. If you try to, and you don't have a velvet rope, you and your business will become nothing for nobody. So be discerning and identify, identify your ideal customer service and then make them feel special when they walk into the store. Give them a velvet rope strategy. Make them feel like their name is on a list. Make them feel like you know they can walk right up and they're gonna get into that dance club of yours. Operate a velvet rope strategy and make sure you let the right customers who you wanna have, your ideal customers, into your business. Second, reward your customers. Thank them for the business. I mean, how hard is that? I sometimes say, you know, we all expect a thank you, like, thank you for coming shopping at, you know, XYZ store. We don't want that because that sucks. We want like, hey, thanks for really coming in and buying from me. I really appreciate it. Thank your customers and celebrate the decisions they have made to buy your products and services. The decision to invest time and money to purchase your products and services is an emotional commitment from your customer. Always is, always has, and always will be. For you when you buy something, for your family when they buy something, for your customer when they buy something, it is an emotional decision because there's money involved and there's time involved. And there's always that fear, what if I mess up up? What if I don't, what if it doesn't work? I just did a double up up for you just to make sure that you understand. So when they do, let them know that you care about the, the, the decision they made, the effort they made, and celebrate them. And it could be a number of ways when you reward your customers. It could be a frequent customer card, like a frequent flyer you know, miles. It could be um, allowing them to sit on an advisory board to be part of future decisions that you have in the direction of where you're gonna go with your products and services. Heck, it could just be something completely out of the blue. When they, when they purchase like balloons and cakes and fireworks and a laser show, I don't know, use your imagination, but just celebrate them. Celebrate the fact they made the purchase they chose you. Celebrate them. Now it comes with a caveat. You gotta be sincere. You can't just do it. Like we just mentioned earlier, you, you know, when you go shopping at your favorite department store and they're like, thanks for uh, coming in and you know spending $500 on your kids' clothes. It was so cool. Thanks. Hit next. That kind of really sucks, doesn't it? I mean, you just turn over a lot of money and you're like, wow, I, uh, wow, thank, thank you. And then you get like some junk mail flyer in the, in, uh, in the mail and you're like, oh, wow, 5% off. I really can't use that now. Thank, thanks. That's why you just kicked me while you're at it, right? I mean, it's not sincere. It blows. They don't care. You just gave over your time, your commitment. Maybe you took a long time to go shopping if you're searching for clothes. It does for me. Uh, you know, the, that's money. And they blew you off at the end. Don't do that. Be sincere. Be sincere when you reward your customers. And if you come up with a, a frequent flyer program or an advisory uh, uh, card, whatever board, whatever it is, 
don't change the rules and be con uh, you know all the time and be inconsistent in delivery of the rewards when they want to return them. Be consistent. Keep the rules simple and let the customer cash in when they want to. Because if you don't, they're not going to use it. They're not going to come back and they'll always try to game the system. I mean, people are smart. They invest time and money in those rewards. They want them out. Just keep it simple. Let them earn them. Let them use them. And they'll appreciate it. And they'll keep coming back. You can tell I'm very passionate about rewarding customers. Third, be exceptional Be exceptional in delivery. Now, this kind of goes with the velvet rope strategy, but it's a little bit different. Take the time to understand how your competition delivers their customer service, and then make it your mission to kick their butt at it all the time. Be exceptional. Never rest on your loyals when it comes to delivery of ideal customer service. Your competition, if they're worthy competitors, are always going to try to outdo you. Delivering exceptional customer service means that you get to know your customers beyond the point of sales. And more importantly, you don't let policies and procedures triumph over just basic common sense. You know, I love the department store Nordstrom's and <clears throat> I'm not, you know, a paid advertiser, just to let you know. Uh, but the reason why I like to go there is because they don't require a receipt all the time and they're willing to work with you. They allow common sense to come in. I return a pair of pants. I bought there five years ago. They don't make the style anymore, but they give me a small store credit. I'm going to buy a pair of pants from them. They don't allow the rules and policies and procedures to get in the way. They allow their individual salespeople to make decisions that are common sense driven to be in the best interest for both the organization as well as for the customer. And they treat the customer exceptionally. That is amazing delivering exceptional customer service. I just told you a story about it. Who knows how many times you're gonna tell the story about it. That's great positive, positive, positive feedback. And it was just exceptional. Be the same way, be a Nordstrom's. Deliver exceptional customer service. And lastly, treat your customers better than you would treat yourself. This is kind of a take on the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you want to have others do, in, do unto you. But now it's kicking it up a notch. Place your customers at the center of your organization and treat them with the utmost respect that you can think of and then more. Does that mean they're always right? No. Does that mean that you're being subservient to them? No. Instead, you're treating them like a guest in your house, the most important guest you have ever had. And you know what? Acting that way is going to gain a tremendous amount of respect especially when difficult times arise. Being honest with them, being open with them, letting them know that, you know what, this particular add-on for, for your product, that doesn't really fit with your need. You could probably use my competitors. You know, um, the house you want to purchase, that may be too big for you. Yeah, I can make a big commission, but it's not really what's needed for you. So, treat them exceptionally. Give them... Um, a velvet rope strategy, reward them for the purchases that they make, and then lastly, treat them better than you would ever treat yourself. You know, Woody Allen said, 80% of success is showing up, and it's the same thing when it comes to customer service. Your store is there, you're in the right location now. Just deliver exceptional customer service, and you'll beat the competition every single day. Well, that ends another Von Gehr Consulting Group's podcast. You can find us online at www.vongehrconsulting.com. That's V-O-N-G-E-H-R consulting.com. We're even on Twitter. Come on, follow us. Von Gehr CG. V-O-N-G-E-H-R CG. And we even have a fan page. 
Von Gare CG Lions. Until next time, have a beautiful day.